0: And welcome to episode 627 of Long Box Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. Uh, Joe and Jimmy, I mean Todd here. Todd, how you doing?
1: I'm here to do a show, Joe.
0: And I will say, um, y- y- even if You were nice enough to acquiesce to me and say, uh, I'm going to take a day for myself after being in New York for four days, uh, to take the day off and allow Joe to go down to Mahoning to see pieces on the, the big screen. Yes. It started at six. So I would have had to like, use like time off of work to go. Drive. So it worked out for the best that I will not get chance this time to see pieces on the big drive-in screen.
1: And I will say this, Joe, I said it on Twitter. I'm so upset that we have to record tonight or I would have been in the passenger seat next to you getting my first taste of pieces. Right. But you know what? I'm taking one for the team, too, and I'm here for the show, you know?
0: Right, I I, I still owe you seeing that movie somehow.
1: Um, Yeah, you see how that works out for you.
0: (laughs) Well, anyway, enough about that sort of stuff. We have a ton of comic book stuff to talk about here. Um, Information that came out, it was very busy uh, for DC and New York Comic Con. Uh, It was also very busy if you wanted to get a sketch from a certain artist at Comic Con. Uh, also Marvel, uh, movie release dates are falling like dominoes. And, uh, for the first time in a long time, uh, for the third week in a row, we do get a edition of the Rob Watch. Uh, we have what we've read from this past week, which is a Gotham City year one, number one and Batman number 128, <laughs> uh we also have what we're looking forward to coming out this week uh i'm almost certain that we have a todd's art attack we have the update in the silver standard aka todd and joe have issues aka todd and joe go rogue aka the battle for second place second place as i think this week we're setting up a a bat versus spidey villain in the sweet 16 here
1: yes we are
0: And we have tons of TV stuff to talk about. We have the latest episodes of She-Hulk, Stargirl, Andor, plus the Disney Plus Marvel one-off special of Werewolf by Night.
1: Yes. Action-packed, loaded, should be a short show.
0: Yes. And I'm sure it'll be up um, by midnight, right? But Todd
1: won't.
0: (laughs) Right. Exactly. So, um... Rolling out right before uh, New York went live, uh, DC announced that they're changing their digital service again. Um, Previously known as DC Universe Infinite, it's now known as DC Universe Infinite Ultra. Uh, It's $99 for the year, which is the same price as Marvel's unlimited subscription service, right? Right. Uh, the back catalog is still being built. Um, you know, they only have about 5,000 books in there, but these they are going to have a selection of books that you could only get through the Ultra, right? Okay. And just like the Marvel one where you get, like, special merchandise and stuff like this, and every year when you renew, uh, you're going to get, like, an Ultra-exclusive comic book. And this year's comic book, and I say comic book, uh, is going to be a copy of the Death of Superman 30th Anniversary Deluxe Edition with a cover that you could only get through the DC Universe Infinite Ultra. Right. But the big thing with this is they changed how quickly you could read stuff on there. I think was, it's been since, like, Rebirth. Um... DC never puts their stuff on sale digitally, right? Right. You're paying full price, there's no codes in the book like Marvel does, you're not getting that added bonus like Marvel does, but now if you have the DC Universe Infinite Ultra plan, a month after the books come out, you can get them on the app. Okay. And that is a quick turnaround.
1: Yes, it is. I'm not sure about the clunky name,
0: I love the clunky name. I'm excited for next year's expansion of it, where it's DC Universe Infinite Ultra Crisis or something, you know?
1: Oh, yeah, like Mega something. and
0: Right. God uh, knows. It's the DC, DC Universe Infinite Ultra Mass Mega Homicide. Ooh, okay. If anybody okay. says DC Universe Infinite Ultra sucks, everybody dies. Oh.
1: But, uh. So now that 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 uh limited cover,
0: that's only digital, right? No, no, that's an actual physical comic book.
1: Oh, okay. So that's even more well in this uh, you know, FOMO, missing out, limited edition <laughs> covers. I thought it was Honest to God, because I get a little confused sometimes, an NFT.
0: It's a lot. No, no. Um that's so before we were recording, that's what I was double checking on. Because Marvel does that with their unlimited too. Where, like, as part of your year year subscription, you get a thing, right? That you could only get through the signing up for the Ultimate, right? Or the Unlimited, whatever it's called. And it's a physical item. Sometimes it's a toy, or sometimes it's a comic, or sometimes it's a whatever. But to DC to roll out with the exclusive cover for the Death of Superman anniversary deal, like, right right off the rip, like, you're going to have a lot of people sign it up just for that.
1: Right. Totally, totally. And if you, you know, you see it, people like it, then oh, even more, you know what I mean?
0: Right. Now, but, oh, no, no, go ahead. I say, you
1: know, because certain covers sell better than others. Like, if you see it, it's like, this is what we're, not only is it an exclusive, but it's awesome. You know what I mean? So...
0: Right. And, you know, obviously they have a Q&A and we'll get into that here. But it's like, will comic shops be able to order the DC Universe Infinite Ultra Exclusive for uh, Death of Superman? And it's like, nope, you could only get it if you're a subscriber. And so Marvel, of course, right now is six months From the time a book comes out to the time that you get it. Which I remember when they changed to six months. It was huge. Now I will say I'm saying six months. Um, I think there's certain books that are four months. But I I would say like their their bigger titles are six months.
1: I was going to say I could have swore at some point they all moved
0: to four months. There are some books I think. So where the issue comes in literally is a lot of the books that ship like two or three issues a month sometimes. Right that gums up the works a little bit and that delays their algorithm to getting stuff out because i think it's set up that it only releases one issue a month Right. so like let's say there's like three issues of amazing spider-man this month right they're that's gonna gum up the works a little bit because not all three are gonna drop at the same time
1: right they'll have to figure out like skip weeks and
0: stuff like that right Now, the other big thing about the change, because DC was six months as well, for them going six months to one month, the retailers now are like, hey, what about us? And because now they're selling this premium thing instead of having to wait six months to read the book that they could get a physical copy of at the comic book shop right now, they could get it like five months earlier than they did before, right? Right. Uh, so what D.C. is doing is is everything for the rest of the year, um, you know, obviously they're going to worry about 2023 when 2023 gets here. But for the rest of the year, um, anything that the store is ordered um, is returnable, uh, fully returnable up to 60 days. OK, that's about that helps the retailers. Right. Now, I wonder if they because this kind of came out of nowhere. It was like. Um, it was, like, on a Thursday afternoon, or, like, a Thursday morning, uh, or Friday morning, this rolls out, and then, like, Saturday more, like, Saturday night, like, at 12.01, it's live, you know? Right. It all happened very quick. I wonder if the retailers were blindsided by this, or they got a little bit of a heads up beforehand, you know? Yeah,
1: I bet they were blindsided.
0: Yep, because they, they, they have no time to change, like, obviously, uh, October books, they don't have time to change November books. And I think final order cutoff for December books is like a week from now.
1: Right. Probably. Yeah. Not sure on that.
0: But, uh. Now, Obviously, I also wonder like how that returnability window is going to work come 2023 because it's not like, well, 2020. Well, I, I guess it's because now they can start readjusting their orders for January books because the January solicitations are going to be coming out in the next week or so.
1: Right. And then the beginning at the end of this month, because we're about halfway through it, uh, we will hit this, the, the previews. You know what I mean? Right. But then you look at it. Those books are ordered between now and December and the newest one with the cutoffs. So this this announce you make your choices and then that DC probably like, all right you'll have to see how it all works out for January but then that 4 months 5 months is enough for you to realize have you lost sales have you gained sales you know what i mean if you're a good a retailer worth your soul you will see the numbers change cuz our retailer literally does the numbers i forget what he calls it every every wednesday or or so like i forget so either tuesday or wednesday thus uh He'll be like, okay, I, I sold this many. I have this many left, so he, he so he can keep it on a tight leash. You know what I mean? Like, sure, I sold this many. I I have uh, fans don't like this book anymore. They dropped like there are five extra copies on my stand on the stands now because those were the ones I just ordered for people who aren't pre-ordering them. Cycle sheets, that's what he calls them. Um, and you'll you'll see him like, okay, this, ha- and then he'll change the numbers that month he doesn't wait around you know what i mean if you're a good retailer you you do that so you don't get burned or get not you can get stuck but you could also be like oh my numbers are going up and i didn't order more i lost sales because i didn't order five more copies
0: you know right
1: but any good retailer will do that
0: absolutely so it'll be interesting to see how things shake out with this and i'll tell you if i was a digital guy you know i love having physical comic books but between the two companies, like $200 a year, and you yeah. get pretty much every comic book from the big two.
1: Right. The only thing, and it's not a thing that you mentioned the the, the with the with the the cover you could only get from the Ultra thing. Yeah. Uh, I just want to say I'm glad my heyday of collecting has passed me by because now <laughs> that there's so – like before in our day, the only place to get merch and or – it, like, things that you like. If you like Doctor Doom, except for f- a couple of figures in stores, you had to get everything through a comic shop and you could find it. It, it. There are so many places to get your favorite character that the days of being a completist are 100% over. And I don't mind being a <sighs> crime on that.
0: I think... Uh, being a completist on the big stuff, I think, are long gone. But if you are a completist on like a low end character that nobody cares about, right? I think it's a lot easier.
1: It is. All joking aside, I'm glad my <laughs> my real completionist is Jonah Hex. Right. So you know I can do it, but there's another character I'm thinking of too. But uh, you get you get. I'm just I just yeah. it's I, it's a different day and age for guys like you and me.
0: And, uh, you know, obviously signing up, and I'm sure you could probably flip that exclusive cover, Death of Superman, for maybe what the cost of the subscription for the year is. That's going to
1: be the interesting thing. I yeah. Mean, I see, like, if it's $99, what people flip that for. And then if that flips hard, there will be a lot of people who subscribe. And then the next one. Will be super cheap, and then people will drop their subscriptions, and the next one will be super. And it's going to be this, this going to be this cycle of weird stuff like that,
0: right? And obviously, the main thing would be, and you know, as a comic book pod, podcaster, aka broadcast journalist, I should be providing this information uh, to our listeners here, you know, right. um, that with the DC uh, Ultra gimmick um with like what the cutoff for it is like when you have to sign up for the 9 like the 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 year membership you know right to get that special cover cuz i'm sure there is a cutoff like i can't sign up for the 99 like like you probably have to sign up within like the first 30 days or the first 60 days or the first whatever days to get that superman cover or you know this thing launched on october 10th if i sign up for it on october 9th 2023 do i still get that superman thing or is it long gone
1: that's interesting i think it'll be long gone because i don't see them super over you know what i mean like i think they have to take into consideration what'll how many people will subscribe and then you have to like keep it low to get people in that opening window because if not you could end up being like, oh my god, we have to print a million of these, you know? Like that, we don't want that. I, if, not that they don't want that; it could get
0: away from them. Okay, so it just says here, uh, all Ultra will receive one physical, and and so the other thing with that is that, like, if you're already um, part of the DC Universe Infinite, and you upgrade to Ultra. Even upgrading to Ultra is going to get you the special edition, right? Right,
1: so you're just paying the extra $25. i am just using numbers. Like yeah, yeah. If you paid 75 now the Ultra's 99 It's like, oh, that extra $25 will get you, you know.
0: Okay. That's cool. Uh, it says that they could expect the comic within 12, 10 to 12 weeks. Uh, but it doesn't say, like, to get this particular book, you need to sign up by a certain date.
1: I think that's going to come back to bite them.
0: Yeah, I wonder. That's that's something I need to do a little bit more due diligence on, you know? Right. Uh, so speaking of Superman, uh, there wasn't a ton of actual, like, comic, comic news at New York Comic-Con. Uh, I think the only thing is that Superman, Son of Kal-El is quote-unquote being canceled um, in that it's stopping with issue 18. It's being rebranded as Adventures of Superman as a six-issue miniseries. And then I'm sure with whatever status quo shakeup there's going to be with Jonathan Kent, it's going to launch with a new number one. Of course. But it's it's still um, the same creative team. It's still the same ongoing story. But it's just, you know, giving them the polish of getting that IP of a comic book entitled Adventures of Superman on the uh, shelves again, you know?
1: Right. I never thought Superman, son of Kal-El, was going to
0: run to 100. You know what I mean? Well, you know, you never know with these things.
1: Well, my thing is because I always knew it was like you said, he John is going to I definitely get his own book with his with his new name or whatever. But because I knew Clark would come back as Superman, so you can't have the title Superman, son of Kal-El, right? It'll be son of Kal-El, maybe. I don't know if I'm making clear what I'm trying to say. I just knew that eventually Clark was coming back and J- John would have to go on to whatever he was going to And it would be soon, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, it's at least six to eight months from now, but at least we have a window of what's going on, you know?
1: Right. Well, in comics, two years is soon. So.
0: That's true. Uh, so one of the other things that came out from New York, and this is actually something uh, Todd emailed me about on Monday. Uh, but I got this stooged off to me uh, from a friend of mine who was at the show. Hi, Matt. Sorry, you couldn't find Todd. Hmm. Uh, but uh, Peach Momoko, who has been kind of making waves uh, recently. She's a, UK, she's a Japanese comic book. I think she was, like, UK-based as well. Uh, but she's been doing, like, Marvel covers uh, this year. And she did sign an exclusive with Marvel to do, like, co- covers. And I think she has, like... Uh, her own solo project that she's writing and drawing, right? Believe we'll so on that. So she was at New York Comic Con. Uh, she had, uh, you know, she was there Saturday and Sunday. She was signing. She was doing remarks. She was doing the whole thing, right? Right. Um. So apparently, um, signing was free, and she was charging a nominal fee, which we'll get into shortly, uh, to do remarks on existing stuff, right? right uh so like i said thursday she was there uh thursday friday saturday sunday but sunday they had to cancel her appearance because apparently there were fistfights breaking out in line for people wanting to get there and get their book remarked by her and
1: there's more to it than that but i'm not sure if the fist fights okay first of all i never heard them called fist fights okay well so go ahead you, you
0: tell me and, and i'll tell you what my friend matt told me go ahead
1: okay so pushing and shoving now i'm going to tell you what i saw because not i wasn't in i never went to this line to get anything for myself i was in this line with somebody i knew to talk to them you know what i mean uh, cuz they were in it. I said, "Oh, I'm just going to talk to this guy right here." I said, "I don't want anything." And I didn't even know all this was happening. I was just like, "I don't want anything. I know that guy we're talking when I'm done talking, I'm going to leave the line, and I'm going to go to the bathroom or whatever." So th- there was nothing there. But the way it rolled out was uh what I know was Peach was doing 30 remarks each day. At the this is Thursday was the story. Okay? And she was doing free signatures but I right. believe she she even said uh free signatures for ten then get back in line you know what I yes. mean don't be here's a hundred you know we'll we'll work with you now a thing that you need to know is Peach doesn't speak any English her husband does okay so Right off the rip, as, as you've discussed on other shows maybe and with, with, with me, you're in toy groups, you have other stuff, and you see what people talk about. I'm in the art groups. This started Thursday morning. Pictures in the art group for the remarks. It's 9.30, and I'm a VIP. I'm here to get in line for Peach, and there's 50 people in line already. How does that happen? So they're Artist Alley people, they're exhibition, uh, exhibitor things in there. So that starts it. So Peach being nice, like in the group, somebody's like, oh, I'm sorry that you, you know, I said 30, but I'm going to do 60, and I'm going to start it now so anybody who's here can get it. You know what I mean? It's like if if you were an exhibitor or whatever, now you have your chance to get in line. And this got worse every day. It was like, well, why isn't she pushing exhibitors and Artist Alley passes away? It should be fans who paid only. And they're like, she's Japanese. She doesn't speak English. She wants to make everybody, and I'm not saying Japanese people like that, but she's trying to make everybody happy. And it slowly goes down to the day we hear that fights and or screaming and or shoving happens. And they just shut it down at her table. And they had people, uh, a crew from New York Comic Con, holding signs all around where her table was. Nothing is happening at this table here today. Go away. Peach is not coming. (laughs) It got bad, and I saw it coming this weekend, and I've seen it coming quickly. I've seen it coming in the groups because of people – charge re, artists and writers charging for their signatures fans are getting up uh, getting an uproar they think it's no longer for them it's all it's when did it become a business mm. and when somebody who does it free and is hard to get and she exploded all those exhibitors are you know they're not getting them all for themselves maybe there are some fans but they're flipping them and i come into two minds on this and whole thing but i I don't know if I explained it well, but I could see a lot of this coming down the pipe. And, Joe, it's only going to get worse. It's only going to get worse. I'm not with Pete with, with, all over till somebody's going to get hurt really, really bad,
0: Joe. Right. So Sunday afternoon, uh, my friend Matt sent me a message that said they canceled the Peach signing for Sunday because there was a literal fist fight in line on Saturday. Okay. Um, and I and guess she was only charging fifty bucks, um, uh, a thing. I heard, right? Wait,
1: she was whole, she was charging twenty bucks for the small remarks.
0: Right. So she, for for an eighteen by twenty four was fifty. Yes,
1: which was way bigger. Yes, you know, and, and that would look beautiful. You know how big that is for fifty bucks, Joe?
0: Um, that's two by three. You know, it's it's big. Right. So uh, it's like the size of a comic board. Oh no, these okay. The $50 ones were way bigger. Okay. Those were like
1: 18 by 30. Like they were bigger than a comic page. Oh, okay. Wow. Those were the 50. The 20s were the small ones. Mm -hmm. So I don't know why she came back and did the 50s, but she had guards when she was doing those. <laughs> and then I don't know if this popped up in any of your stuff. This popped up in the in the art group, which I didn't send you because you wouldn't see. She went and did a signing at Midtown Comics. Yep. And did remarks because she felt bad. And she they were saying, like, if I see any faces that I recognize as uh, exhibitors or whatever, I'm going to give the fans. I mean, I don't know how you do that. But she's trying, Joe.
0: Right. Uh, I guess, what was it, they they might have because Sunday got cancelled, they added the Monday, they added another Monday at Midtown Comics? I think so, yes And hey, listen, uh, I know it typically is, it would typically come when the news is over, but we're talking about it, so Right Ask not for whom the Rob trolls The Rob trolls for thee And now The Rob Watch there is one more news story to talk about, but we have to get into The Rob Watch because The Rob Watch stuff directly goes into this, okay? Mm-hmm. So The Rob, um, you know, we had, and again, we had a lot of friends that were at the show. Uh, shout out to Andy Hedder, who uh, sent us the pick of The Rob's uh, price list, right? Right. Uh, so if you want uh, New Mutants, New uh, Mutants, 87, 98, or X Force 11, which I guess are key Deadpool issues. Mm-hmm. A signature is 125 bucks. Right. Um, I'm not even going to get into the grading stuff because that's trash. Huh. Any Deadpool cable or X Force items is a $70 uh, signature. Any trading card is an $80 signature. Funko's figures, toys of any kind, $60. Any non-Deadpool cable or X-Force items is 50 bucks. Okay? That seems like a lot. Do you want the chisel add-on where it's like the stylized Rob signature? That's an extra 40 bucks. Do you want it in a drop shadow pen? That's an extra 60 bucks. Do you want it in a rainbow pen? That's an extra 80 bucks. Do you want a Deadpool balloon doodle? That's an extra 60 bucks. Do you want an inscription? That's an extra $100. Oof. Do you want a picture with the Rob? That's $40. Bucks. That's the biggest deal at the con. That's a steal at thrice the price. Now, this was brought up to us, right? Mm-hmm. But then the Rob took to his Facebook page. Oh, Great. For those of you interested in everyone's most current pricing, this was going around this weekend in various groups. There are several names not listed here, including mine. I'm among the most expensive. Apologies. Now, we'll get into some of the the prices and stuff, and I'll have you guess now that we've gone over the Rob's numbers, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But one of the remarks that Rob has in the comments on Facebook is, no way. Comic creators stood by while the sports world regularly charged to sign cards, balls, and jerseys. 12 years ago, Shaq was two, three, $400 for balls, sneakers, and jerseys. He's a multimillionaire, but values his signature's worth. Well, he puts signature worth. Again, I'm correcting his grammar here. Um, so, um, just to give you an idea of some of the people that were on the list. Okay. Right. um, so this is, uh, signatures and sketches. Okay. Yep. Um, and I'll, so a John Romita sketch, like a remark, John Ramita Jr.
1: Right. No seniors retired.
0: Um, I know. A remark. A remark. 30 bucks.
1: Okay. 30 bucks. I know what his sketches are. So that's why.
0: Right. Uh, a Kevin Eastman remark. 80 bucks
1: 40 40 was 40 okay 40 and a signature was 42 i think a mark silvestri one that i couldn't tell you 10 bucks oh wow
0: uh just looking at the rest of the list here to see if there's any other names um so obviously a lot of this gets into like writers and stuff yeah And a lot of it is a ton of different writers um, will sign books for free, but limit them, right? Yeah. Because, you know, you're talking the low... If you're just looking for a Rob signature on a non-Deadpool, non-cable, non non exports thing, it's 50 bucks, right? Right. Um, Now, granted, a lot of these guys are new, but a James Tinian will do three for free. Right. Um... Art Adams will do three for free. Uh, Andy Kubert charges ten bucks. Uh, Joelle Jones will do ten for free. Uh, Ivan Hayes will do ten for free. Uh, Jonathan Hickman charges five bucks to sign a book. Uh, Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor one for free and five bucks for any after that. Right. Um. So. Um, I kind of get in one way where the Rob is coming from. In that, like, you know, your signature is worth something. But the other side of it is, is to compare himself to Shaq. Okay. Yeah. The hubris of the Rob knows no satiety. And to see some of the other industry professionals charging little to nothing for their signatures, not limiting to specific items, not doing this. You know, we joked around here uh, on the show when we get to convention talk, right? How, like, The Undertaker was doing conventions. And for the longest time, he wouldn't sign any trading cards from 1991, which is his rookie year. And I get it, because you're going to take a 1991 rookie year Undertaker card, he signs it, and you're going to go send it off to CGC or whoever does cards, PSA, and they're gonna like you're gonna make tons of money off of it. Well, now just started this month, he will sign stuff from 1991, but it's like 600 bucks, okay? Right. And there's people that probably take him up on it. So the so the issue here is, and the Rob claims he did gangbuster business all weekend, right? He he did. So obviously, people are willing to pay these higher end prices for these higher end creators but it's just silly to me when you see these like contemporaries of his who are charging like 10 bucks, 5 bucks, 30 bucks at the most for a signature on stuff and the rob's low end signature is 50, you know?
1: Yeah, there are some that I can't think I and you know, I I should have the receipts, but there are some who have that power, you know what I mean, to go that high and they do because it's it's i don't want to sign a lot of things price if that makes any sense
0: yeah it's the it's the it's the leave me alone price
1: yes and like starenko is one of them that's a a price to sign everything you know what i mean like it's 40 50 dollars for the signature he has his doodle that you know i could almost do and that's 150 you know there's there's guys that do it and there's guys that do it free and uh the old guys are the ones who should be charging because they didn't get any of the residuals or the the royalties honest to god joe like we're doing you know we're trying to do a podcast here with like four shows on the end and an art attack and talking about more villains and i don't want to make this a seven hour podcast We could do a whole show and I could discuss this with you and like look into the prices of who does what, because that's literally the name of the group that I'm in where I saw a lot of the peach stuff. It's called sketch, sketch and signature prices. And they just every con, they're like, here's what everybody's charging. They walk around and they take pictures. So it's like, I'm not shocked ever by any prices. If that, you know what I mean? How low they can be and how high they can be. Right. But you get what I'm saying.
0: No, listen, and I'm with you. I'd love to see it, like maybe like Baltimore or something. You know, we'll come back and we'll revisit it then, you know? Right,
1: right. As
0: long as the Rob doesn't do anything silly between now and then. Yeah, yeah. Because he certainly won't. (laughs) Um, But yeah, just that, like, when I saw the Rob's numbers of what he was charging for stuff, I was shocked, right? I thought we did his prices before. I think we talked about he what he to... was charging for stuff on Whatnot, right? No, there was a time... It where... might have been a while ago, because you remember, he hasn't done... This is only, like, the second or third convention he's done in the calendar year 2022. Right. So, if we did it, it was months ago.
1: Oh, yeah, it was a long time ago, but they were still high. Yeah. I See, like, now you have me looking up my own, like, uh, vanity searching my... My own Twitter. Uh, How do you spell life?
0: Well, you know, so just while you're looking for that, of course, you know, whether the Rob's prices have changed or not, um, and Rob equating what they do to, like, what sports people do or entertainment people do, it'll be interesting to see if more people follow the Rob ideal and start charging more starting, like, next year or something.
1: I, I don't think so. I think... Maybe it's a it's a tough uh, A tough question to ask Because I think people will get If they're trying to get whatever they can get If they can get more they will And then there's the people who don't want to gouge Or charge their fans And I don't think those ones are going to change You know what mm-hmm. I mean So we'll see
0: But idiot that I am I'd pay 40 bucks to get a marked picture with the Rob You know
1: I have my free
0: one Yeah Oh, mine for $40 will be better, though.
1: Oh, yeah, I have to find mine.
0: (laughs) Look at the bottom of your birdcage.
1: Oh, there you go.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So while you're looking for that, and I just had to throw the the Rob Watch thing in there because it fit with what we were talking about with the Peach Momoko stuff. Uh, It was announced early on Tuesday that they had to scrap their initial plans, they meaning Disney, for the upcoming Blade movie. Uh, That they had to find a new director for the film. So that is causing the movie to be delayed. Okay? So Blade, which was supposed to be coming out November 3rd, 2023, is now bumped back to September 6th of 2024. Okay. Well, that was the date that Deadpool 3 was supposed to come out. Well, that's okay, because Deadpool 3 has now moved from that September date to November 8th of 2024. Now, Todd, I know you're also asking, well, wait a minute. Wasn't that when Fantastic Four was supposed to come out? It was. So now Fantastic Four has been moved back to February 14th, 2025. Did you say February 14th? February 14th, 2025. Do you know what day that is? That's Valentine's Day. And I'm going to love that movie. Oh, my goodness. And now, Todd, I know you're also saying... Hey, wasn't there an unannounced Marvel movie coming out on that day as well? Wasn't
1: there an unannounced Marvel movie coming out on that day, Joe?
0: There was, and that got moved back from February 2025 to November 17th, 2025. Oh, I'm so confused. And then, Todd, I know you're going to say, wait a minute, November 17th, 2025, that's when Secret Wars was supposed to come out. Well, Secret Wars has now been bumped back from November 2025 to May 1st, 2026.
1: Oh, I'm so lost on all these, Joe.
0: And Todd, you're also going to say, hey, wasn't there supposed to be another unannounced Marvel movie that was coming out on May 1st, 2026? And I'll say, yes, there was. Now that's just been completely removed from the schedule.
1: So now, no longer is the unannounced movie coming out. An
0: unannounced movie, too. It's just not on the schedule now. It's too far back that they can't even think of a date for it. We're gonna change the date on one movie we haven't announced yet, but two movies we haven't announced yet. Let's let's not even worry about it.
1: Yeah, that's just crazy talk at that point.
0: But it's just so funny. It's like it's funny to me. Like I'm making a bit of it. Like all these movies, like you know, Blade Falls, so, like, everything, like, now it affects, like, six other movies, right? Right. So that kind of stinks that all these movies are getting delayed, but it also is kind of good because it's like, oh, they have a plan. Like, we can't just move Blade and have Blade be on another spot on the schedule because Blade has to come before Deadpool, which has to come before Fantastic Four, which has to come before this, which has to come before that, because these movies are, like, part of a plan, and we can't futz with that plan.
1: Right, right. Yes, yeah, uh, whatever they got to move stuff. At least you know, like you said, it's all working out.
0: Right. And that just means I had to update the spreadsheet. Is all you know. Yep. So I could follow it because it's all right. out my ear already. Exactly. So hey, uh, we talked about New York Comic Con. If you want to hear about Todd's full experience at New York Comic Con, uh, you can go listen to After Dark this week. Uh, but this weekend uh, is Dallas Fan Festival. Um, and I've been noticing lately, like, a lot of the fan expo shows have not been calling their shows fan expo shows. They've been, like, finding new branding for some of the stuff, right?
1: Right, sure, because they don't want to invoke the wrath of someone.
0: Mm, I can I can see that. Um, But, so, again, you call this a fan festival because there's not really comic book folks here? Mm-hmm. Um, so Matt Smith is going to be there. I know him. Jenna Coleman is going to be there. Oh, uh, That was jo- Joanna Constantine, Joe. Well, Tom Sturridge is going to be there. Oh, Tom Porridge? No, Tom Sturridge, Sandman from the Sandman TV show. Oh, cool. And Mason Alexander Park is going to be there, who played uh, Desire in the Sandman TV show.
1: Okay. I know at New York Comic-Con, they had the Corinthian, too, and it was one of them that I almost uh, took it up on if I wasn't, you know, so haggard-looking.
0: I will say, if uh, you and I would be having words... Words? If uh, Anthony Starr was there and you didn't get a marked picture with him...
1: Oh, I would have took milk to get the picture taken. <laughs> I would have been like, let's dip our tongues in the milk, shall we?
0: Oh, my goodness. Let me – here, let me – we need to both have milk mustaches for the picture. Here, let me apply the milk justly. <laughs> yes, but gently, Joe. Yes. Uh, no, I think uh, because uh, football season has started, Um, I think he's probably using his weekends to watch football. Yes, not yeah, not American yeah. football, real football.
1: The, the 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 ball you you use with your foot. That one, y-
0: yes. Yeah, uh, but we'll have links to the convention stuff, of course, in the show notes, along with information about soon to be named network, soon to be namednetworkcom dot com, soon to be namednetworktumblrcom network uh, dot dot com. Anytime any of the shows in the soon to be named network go live, you could find them there. Obviously, you can find them in whatever podcatcher that you're using. Well, I like having a one-stop shop that we kind of control, that you don't have to worry about technical issues. Tumblr's never failed me yet, and it hasn't failed any of the other shows, whether it be this show, Long Box Heroes After Dark, Adults with Wrestling, We Need Wrestling, Final Wrestling Place, Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments, Wings on Wings, Hit My Music, and just reaching the milestone of 50 episodes this week, Porch Talk. Woo-hoo! Yeah, woo-hoo! It's uh, right in time for the uh, winter hiatus for Porch Talk.
1: Yeah, who knows? If the weather breaks, we could have one more. You know?
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> so anytime any of those shows go live or anytime any folks from those shows appear on other shows and they let me know, uh, you could find information about them there. There's some. Pe- there's a penciled in date of me doing a, a a podcast appearance sometime in the near future. Oh, shocking. Yes. Well, listen, I try to limit them. Um, you know, I don't, I don't charge Rob prices, but, uh, they came up with the right number and, uh, you know, we'll see what, how that goes, but, uh, you can also check out our other friends that are doing stuff all across the internet. Uh, Mike Sterling, uh, West Coast uh, retailer extraordinaire. You can go check out his blog, ProgressiveRune.com. Uh, our friend Kevin, who, who has his blog at Mastlibrary.com, Rick Williams, the free karate chops at .storeenvy.com. At All those cool sci-fi, fantasy, wrestling, uh, miniatures, and glow-in-the-dark things that he does. Uh, longtime listeners of this show, Jason Sandberg and Chris Runt, both respectively have put out comic books. Uh, You can go and find information there. Uh, We have an Amazon link for Jason's book, Jupiter. And then we have the direct link on uh, Chris's site, FortressOfComicNews.com. And uh, Chris does his own podcast as well. Check his podcast out as well as his comic book. Check our comic book shop, Comics on the Green Out, if you do not have a comic book shop in your area or you do not have a good comic book shop in your area. Let our shop be your shop. Sign up for their mail order subscription service. Get stuff mailed to you weekly, bi-weekly, monthly. And if you do, when you do, there's a chance you can get a sketch from our good friend Becky. Her social media is linked up in the show notes here as well. You can go check out some of the work that she's done, the process that she's done, prints that she's done, all sorts of stuff of what she's up to. And she's not giving it away for free, but she has a pitch on how to fix the uh, shipping issues that Penguin uh, Random House have been having as well.
1: I think she'd get it done. She uh, she packed some stuff for me to send off to listeners that I got from New York a few years ago, so mm-hmm. she knows what she's doing.
0: She ain't giving that away for free, but everything else you can get over on her social media. So, Todd, let's get into uh, what we uh, read from this past week, eh?
1: Yes, and normally... I would do the book we were both looking forward to post, but I'm going to call a audible and change it and go oh, for no. Batman 128. Um, and I'll let you have Gotham City Year One. Um, this is written by Chip Zdarsky, uh, art by Jorge Jimenez. Um, the failsafe robot has been, you know, just giving bat handing Batman his lunch and all his Bat family so the only choice, that you know, the only help that you could get is the Justice League shows up and Superman shows up and uh, while well, the rest of the Justice League is taking care of Gotham City and Batman's thinking to himself, a bloody Batman, which I think we've said before is it's tough to look at because, you know, things are bad when Batman can't move kind of a deal. And Superman is totally cool, but Batman's thinking to himself like Clark, stay away from him. You know, and Bat- Superman's trying to decide what this thing is, and Batman's kind of lying to him. He's not saying he created it, but he's kind of saying it's something to take me out, which is the truth, because he doesn't want, want to. And basically, it gets the better of uh, Superman and some of the Justice League, and they have to take Superman and Batman away to get medical help which is really cool, which leaves the Justice League to fight. Green Arrow is absolutely awesome in this. And I want to see uh, Chip Zdarsky write a Green Arrow series also. Um, And through a series of events, Batman realizes what's going on as he's all bloody and battered. He's like, you have to save Superman over me. I'm going to go do something. Um, You make sure the best of the best here gets – saved and I like he gives the speech to Robin like I trust you because you're you and he ends up going off on his own um, and Superman like you know gets saved but then there's a bit of a time jump as Batman's healing up and things go completely sideways for Gotham and now it's only a matter of time before Failsafe finds him and or takes over the world and as we find out what he's done it's just it just, it ups the stakes believably not like fighting a god from the beginning of time kind of stakes but you know believable stakes and i absolutely love this book and how every every character uh, chip is writing in this book feels right to me which is tough when you're do when you're juggling so many characters and even characters out of the batman myth
0: Uh, yeah, so all the stuff that Todd mentioned is true, um, so it's not, like, a crazy time jump where it's, like, five years later or something.
1: Right, right, it's just a bit of...
0: Right, and it fits in the realistic world of, like, Batman's Corner of the DC Universe, which also has, like, gods and Supermans and stuff like that, um, but I got, you know, so it's it's i guess an, maybe this is an unfair comparison to make but let's make it anyway um this is the mark wade jla story tower of babel essentially come to life
1: i would agree with that yes
0: and you know batman's i i guess you could say batman's plan is working perfectly <laughs> yes and yeah. it's just like how maybe Batman, like, this book is painting, at least this storyline, is painting how Batman might be his own worst enemy.
1: Yeah, and I agree with that, too, so it's okay.
0: Right, and we get a second feature in this as well, which is kind of built, like, it's It's not as overt um, in here, but it's the beginning of what leads Batman to creating Failsafe.
1: Yes, um, and that was the le- the the weakest part of the book for me because it's also him programming himself to be zur and r or however you say it
0: right which is Um, one of todd's favorite characters
1: right and one of my favorite runs one by one of my favorite writers um so i really have no like all right i have i'm in touch with superman and batman's uh friendship, so like them trying to save each other all works out and you know, how a Green Arrow and like Black Canary are in this. They're, you know, a friends, a couple over the years, whatever they are, and the bat the side bat characters. So I get all that, but like that is so out of my wheelhouse I drop like I don't know if it's if it's, you know, right to what Grant wrote. I really don't care about it. The only thing that I do care about is who he's gonna be going up against in it because they like he's like maybe i'm broken and does this character know i'm broken so that's why he's striking and i'm like all right that's all interesting but i care very little about his visions and the whole programming that version of the character even though i love it in the main story
0: right but it it, i'm with you it's really good not to say that i'm surprised um, You know, sometimes Chip could be a little off kilter, Chip Zdarsky, the writer, a little off kilter, a little out there, a little silly, but it's good when you see a guy like this do so well on a big superhero book.
1: Yes. And I think he's only going to get more work from this.
0: Oh, for sure.
1: He's done with Batman in 10 years. Um, <laughs> He's going to be like, maybe I could dr- write that Superman book or JLA.
0: Yeah. It'll be interesting to see if – because, like, he's doing – you know, he's doing assorted things here and there, but he's also writing Daredevil over at Marvel and has been for a little while. Uh, It'll be interesting to see if one of the big two make play to try to get him to exclusive at one or the other, you know?
1: Which I wouldn't be shocked as long as I could see him going, all right, as long as I could do my new burn – or does he do
0: uh, Stillwater still Stillwater.
1: too water? And I I know Newburn did the first arc and then it went on hiatus. And it's that whole uh Aaron uh Jason Aaron speech that we've always given. It's like, let me see. Do I wanna make sure New Burn and or Stillwater is out on time? Or probably the two of them aren't gonna make me the money I'm gonna make off of bat.
0: Right. I don't know. it's getting once it gets close to Daredevil money, then we'll talk, you know.
1: Uh, well, what's he going to show up in a Marvel show? Come
0: on. More on that later. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the other book uh, that Todd and I uh, read and we are most looking forward to coming out is Gotham City Year One, number one, uh, written by Tom King with art by Phil Hester. Um, So they say that this is an untold story, so I guess it is continuity, right?
1: Uh, Okay.
0: Okay. I guess, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, Sam Bradley, uh, only people that don't like him call him Slam, uh, is a private investigator. A woman shows up to his house, or to his office, hands him an envelope and says, I'll pay you $100. You go deliver this to the Wayans. Don't open it, or I'll know, but you go do this. So he goes, and he's immediately ambushed by the cops, Um, we get to see a side of the Waynes, Thomas and Martha, that they've been leaning into a little bit more over the last couple of years that I don't like. But I think it works here. Uh, there was a kidnapping. Uh, the letters are written in kind of a cryptic scrawl. And the letters have the familiar insignia at the bottom. And what they refer to that insignia as. I'm being very vague here because I don't want to give away, like, some huge, big punches in this book. But if you're reading a Batman book, then maybe you kind of sort of know what it is. Uh, but this is a crime book written by Tom King with beautiful art by Phil Hester. Um, and the mystery was kind of pulling you in, twisting you in all sorts of different ways, where it certainly makes you feel like someone was trying to frame Slam Bradley for whatever's going on, or make them believe that he has more to do with whatever's going on than he actually does. And it's always good when the private dick is always the... thinks he's one step ahead of everyone else, then it turns out that he's like an unknowing patsy into whatever else is going on. Uh, but I really like this book, too. This this is a really fun, uh, and again I say fun, as a gritty noir comic in the early days of Batman's mythos can be, you know?
1: right? couple of things. I'm on board with you on the dirtying up the wanes kind of a thing. Yeah not a fan of it and the most egregious version of that was in the Joker movie right. I know you didn't see. Um oh the Joker movie? The Joker movie, yes. They okay. they just No, I'm no, I'm sorry, the Batman movie. The Batman one. Where they, you know, establish like spoiler alert for a movie that's been out a while. Um that like uh, Thomas Wayne was involved with the mafia and he may have put the hit out on somebody because they talked bad about Martha and Martha has you know, uh, mental issues and she was in a you know in Arkham maybe. And I'm like, no, the gist of the story is the Waynes were the were the things that were holding the demons back at bay in Gotham, the light, and when they fall, it's what the darkness comes in. They're not the darkness. And that kind of establishes this again. But I also think differently that this isn't a what's the word, a lost story or a continuity story. This is just uh, Tom King story because I look at it like the cars are like in the 50s and even at Batman at like 30 or 40 wouldn't have had cars that look like I don't know it just seems uh, just seems like it's earlier it seems like it's it's set in the, the late 50s or early 60s maybe 70s with the car I don't know um, it just seems off it just and most
0: so, of Tom King stuff just seems to be in its own realm anyway. Right, it's just that, so where I'm coming from with this is that in the solicitation for the book, okay, um, it it talks about um, the legend that would birth the Bat that has remained untold for 80 years. Okay, Um, that's how long Batman's been in print, sure, but then it says two generations before the Batman, and then it tells you everything that's going on. So this is supposed to be 20 years before Batman is a thing. Okay.
1: Okay. So Thomas is the is the kid. I I that's what's screwing me up. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. My mistake. Maybe you're you're more right. They're dirtying up the earlier Waynes. And uh, what else was I going to say? I'm I'm fine with that. It, but it doesn't work because unless Sam Bradley's Slam's father, because Slam the time was, the timeline right because Slam was dating Catwoman for a while. So he'd be like, and in this he's an old, like, you know. They show the 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 bookends, and he's you know, in Batman's time he's a hundred and eight. It looks like.
0: Well, he's grizzled, but you know, it's
1: that's all I'm saying is they're playing fast and loose. So I don't know if it had a black label on it. I would say it's one hundred percent, you know, just its own thing, like everything else. But I'm not sure where this falls in.
0: Yeah, it's, that's all. But it's still it's it's enjoyable nonetheless.
1: Right. DC timelines are my wig thing, Joe.
0: There you go. You know,
1: (laughs) I know too much about it to let things go.
0: Gotcha. Uh, So that's what we read from this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, if you head over to longboxheroes.com every Tuesday around noon Eastern time, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them sent to your home, however it is, you get your books, before one, before forearmed, arm know what's coming out this week. Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Todd is currently in the lead over me with six correct guesses. Let's see if we could pare things down any. Mm -hmm. Uh, but looking at your list, I'm going to say the thing that you're most looking forward to coming out this week is Follow Me Down, a reckless book by Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. Ditto for you. Uh, I would say that is the book I am most looking forward to coming out this week as well. Big
1: push right here.
0: Uh, So this is one of those books where when the early diamond list comes out, for some reason they're never on the early diamond list. But then I get all my Ed Brubaker email blasts reminding me that it's coming out.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And then I have to go and get, like, the final diamond list, which goes out on the Friday before. And I'm like, oh, there it is. I don't know why it's not on, like, why they can't figure this out, like, from Wednesday to Friday to get this on this list so I don't have Ajita for these two days, you know?
1: I'm the same way because I use that go collect to my books. And then you (laughs) – the, you find the blast from the email and then you put it in your list and then when you send me the show notes and I see yours, I'm reminded to put it in mine because it's been a couple of days since I made my list. So you sending me the email today, I was like, oh, okay, Reckless is this week. Um, I better put it back on my list. And I caught it before I sent it. Usually – usually i forget and go oh by the way add reckless for me too or somebody will uh give you the iggy in, in a text message or dm that i'm missing a book on my list.
0: right i'll get a nasty gram from someone who listens to the show who's very uh anal about these things as well right likes to yell my name in parking lots right uh so hey uh While you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out the current standings in Todd and Joe Have Issues, uh, which this time around is called The Silver Standard, a.k.a. Todd and Joe Go Rogue, a.k.a. The Battle for Second Place. As Todd and I attempt to determine who is the second best rogues gallery in all of comics, we all know that The Flash has the best rogues gallery in comics. Todd thinks Batman does. I think Spider-Man does. We put together a tournament of the bottom of the barrel of both of these uh, uh, rogues galleries. We put them together in a big, giant tournament, and we are down to the final 16, which in just a few weeks is going to be down to the final eight and so forth. And then we'll have the final determination by the winner of the worst of the worst gets that designation to be the representative of the second best rogues gallery in all of comics.
1: A well-thought out bit.
0: Yes, so the way that this lined up, this was another instance of two bat villains taking on each other, the Grasshopper and the Ten-Eyed Man. Uh, I made my pitch for the Ten-Eyed Man to get bumped off. Uh, did not work. Ten-Eyed Man moves on to the Elite Eight.
1: Yes, sir, Ten. So Ten moves on to the Eight?
0: <laughs> ten moves on to the Eight. That's, the, that's how it goes into the Gazintas, yes. Right, right. Now this week, uh, we're back to a straight-up uh, Spider Man versus Batman battle. Uh, Todd's pick on the Batman side is the Bouncer. Mine is the third Green Goblin, uh, Bart Hamilton. So I don't know if you want to give your push for the Bouncer so I can give my push for Bart Hamilton.
1: Um, my guy is a man who invented something that was a super-powered <laughs> super powered Super Ball. Material and he made it. He made a doo doo colored suit out of it so he could bounce around. And his super weakness is CTEs. So, uh, the bouncer is pretty terrible because he bounces until, uh, if you can get him in a in an enclosed fa- space, he will knock himself unconscious. While, uh, Bart Hamilton, not Bort Hamilton. Uh, because that's what would have made him evil—that he couldn't find his license plate. He—he um, he is cool because oh, because he's copying an A, Joe. He's copying an A. He may have
0: took, shaved the numbers off it, but he's still an A. So just because you copy an A doesn't necessarily mean you get an A, because a lot of times in that A there's execution. Uh, there have been many people that have copied. The greatness that is the Green Goblin, who is the second best rogue in Spider-Man's rogues gallery. Um, But like Harry, you know, copied what Norman did. Usually there has to be some sort of legacy involved. No, no. uh, Bart Hamilton was uh, Harry's psychologist and through hypnosis was able to ascertain that Harry was the Green Goblin. Using this knowledge, found out where the Green Goblin hid his stuff, and with no superpowers, because he didn't have the Goblin formula, um, he attempts to take the mantle of the Green Goblin to take down Silvermane, who, bear- who could have made the list if he would- didn't have that cool run in, uh, deadly- in uh, uh, Superior Foes of Spider-Man. Right. Um, so in doing so, Harry figures this all out and ends up, uh, accidentally killing Bart Hamilton in an explosion, but again, yes, he was a psychiatrist who thought my way to take over the criminal underworld of Marvel Comics New York is to get this information, or most of it, I guess, through hypnosis, become the Green Goblin myself, and try to take down a supervillain with no superpowers. This guy stinks, and he should move on to the next round. Because he stinks more than the bouncer. The bouncer is a one-note guy, and you said that he's CTE come to life, so he's the entire current day NFL. Good for him.
1: My take on it is though, (laughs) because he's in the Green Goblin suit. Yes. He like that's half the that's half the trip right there. That he's cool. Do you know what I mean? Like, because the the look of the Green Goblin is I I give it to that. Like, we've we've argued a lot about Batman versus Spider-Man stuff. But I've never once besmirched the Green Goblin look, the glider, the pumpkin bombs, the green and the, you know, the colors, everything. So, Bart Hamilton is cool because he looks cool. And sometimes that's all you need, baby. That's all you need. That's why I'm cool. Because I look cool. What? Oh, I, I'm much cooler like now that I'm aerodynamic, Joe, Yes. But yes.
0: <laughs> so the vote, uh, the poll will go up uh, Wednesday at noon. Uh, check our social media, of course, for information on that. Uh, Todd, uh, also, hey, we're like, what, five weeks into the football season, so I don't think it really matters. You can't sign up now. But things have kind of settled themselves for the pigskin Pickums. Second week in a row, you're staying steady at seventh place. Mm-hmm. I have drastically fallen to twenty eighth place. Bye, Joe. Which is the way that it should be. Right, right. Um, I know. So that I know the Eagles are undefeated, and who else is undefeated?
1: I want to say the only undefeated team in
0: the NFL is the Eagles. Good for them. Less Bye. said about the Monday night game, the better. Go take the
1: points. That's all I'm going to say.
0: All right. Well, thanks to everyone who's uh, pitching in. Don't forget to do your picks. Uh, Todd is nice enough to send out a reminder uh, early on Thursday for you to do so. Uh, Todd, did we have any art attacks this week?
1: We did have art attacks this week, Joe. Um, Looking over them, uh, I don't know. Does, uh, Does one from Matt Turner count? Um, because he asked if he got his photo, Mark photo with the Rob, he, uh, could he, you know, send it off? And you know what? I'm going to take it. He got his photo with the Rob. I don't know how much it cost.
0: But uh, Wait, we do said, know how much it cost.
1: Um, I don't know. There was two guys. Could it be they charged him double?
0: Oh, OK. I get you. You know, I don't know.
1: That's, you know, something. Uh, But anyway, uh, Doulascar also sent in something. He said, I received this awesome sketch of the Tick from the Tick and Artie series by New England comics artist Bob Polio as a surprise from a friend. And the postman's code was followed to a T, Joe. Anytime you have the postman's code... That's a good thing. And that I love little little doodles that are fun and, you know, something somebody could bang out. And uh, I think that's absolutely fantastic.
0: That is a good one. Uh, thanks again uh, for sharing that one with us. And before we get to yours, did you see the other one there as well?
1: Yes, I'm going backwards through them until we get to so mine. From our good buddy, the Dude, DJ, um, in regards to Longbox Heroes, praise of uh, Smallwood, A few years back, I got a small commission from him and UPS crushed it. And Greg made it more than right when he didn't need to stand up guy, fantastic artist. Um, So in this one, the postman's code wasn't adhered to. And then it was. And that's absolutely fantastic. And it makes me jealous because um, I'm not going to talk about how great the art is because it's great um, that I will never have a Greg Smallwood piece. And it makes me super, 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 super sad.
0: Does he no longer do them? What's up?
1: Uh, well, he's a lot. He's a lot digital on the artwork, but now that he's Peach Momoko big,
0: getting gotcha. to him
1: is going to be impossible. Like because he blew up because of the human target. Yeah. Um, he's it, in the stratosphere. Everybody want will want him, and he will charge go away money.
0: Um. So yeah, I'm looking at the signature on there. This is from 2015. So yeah, yeah, you're you're not getting that.
1: Right, no, that's done. And then another person sent one in from Andy Header. Um, he got a Red Lantern Supergirl commission at New York Comic Con Comic Con done by Alex Sanchez. And I will say, uh, other than Green Lantern, the Green Lantern Corps, I'm a sucker for the Red Lantern Corps. Um, because I'm just an angry dude, so I understand it, it would be the ring that I would get the quickest. Um and that angry Supergirl looks really, really cool. Teen, teen, uh, uh, girl angst uh, there, and I really.
0: Yes, uh, I'd say the thing. Obviously, it's red. There's battle. There's blood. Uh, but the detail on the hair really pops on that.
1: Yep, you always notice the hair, Joe.
0: Yes, of course. Not a wig, but certainly close enough.
1: And finally, I added a, a Todd's art attack. This what? Week. Yes, um, and Eduardo Rizzo, Jonah Hex in my sketchbook. He absolutely crushed it. Such clean line work, Joe. Look at that is that is um, that is not almost. I didn't mean to say almost. That is a perfect rendition of Jonah Hex. Look at that with the shade, you know, down the nose, and the hat covers it, so the black. Uh, shades the the good side of his face and all you can see is the eye but you could totally make out the detail of the cheek that my friend is how you do shading uh to 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 like make a shadow on something. so beautiful
0: so i like uh eduardo riso's uh funky signature number one mm-hmm. and number two home run if you were to look up jonah hex in the dictionary Mm-hmm. Not only would this be the picture that you would see of, of him, this with no knowledge of who or what this character is, you know so much about this character from just this head sketch.
1: Yep, yeah, I could feel the grit and, and and saddle dirt in my teeth.
0: Yes. Uh really, really good piece. Yep.
1: Yeah. And this, I I I'm gonna have to get a judgment call on you uh from you does this fill up my sketchbook or do I have one more page so um f- i ended up getting this and the artist who's after him accidentally left a page open so i had to go back and get aldwar to do it and i love the fact that him and his son were super professional when i told them about it they did post-it notes on the page they're like this is the page you want um make sure we have if your information i'm like it's written in the front of the notebook they're like perfect like they did all the right things and put it on the right page so i'm so happy with that but do you all the regular pages are taken and there's one left and it's that page that's actually the page that sticks it to the hardcover if that makes any sense it's on the inside of the hardcover, and then it wraps around, so it's a slightly different texture. Do I get that page sketched on, or am I done? I you're done. That, you're, I'm done? Okay. Because I thought I had one more page left, and Terry Moore started my sketchbook all the way back in 1996 or 97... Okay. And when I showed it to him again that he did it, he's like, if you have a page left at the end, bring it to me and maybe I'll sketch in it at a show. Okay. I'm going to take the book to Terry. If he says I, because he's famous for not sketching at shows. Yeah, Yeah. He's like, I only do stuff from home and I do pre done stuff and bring it to shows. I don't like the atmosphere of drawing at a show. But because he made the offer, I think I take the book with that weird last page, and if he says yes, you give it to him. If he says no, I'm done with the book.
0: Right. Uh, Again, I was unaware of this Terry Moore caveat there. My thing, 100%, go that route. My thing is the fact that it's a different paper quality. Mm -hmm. I'd be concerned on how the, the sketch would come off or look. You know, one, you know, they're sketching on a different page quality, whatever. That might be an issue. And then two, you have all these other sketches on the one type of paper and then you have this one that sticks out like a sore thumb because on that different paper you know right
1: i wouldn't and i i may have said that i don't think it sticks out like a super sore thumb you could just tell like when you touch it sure you know what i mean like one is a little thinner like sketching paper and the other one's a little thicker and to tell you the truth i i say this i think the artist would almost like the thicker paper because it wouldn't bleed through and a lot of other stuff but leaving the option up to him um, and I do like the fact that I never have to take it again to a con that Terry Moore isn't at. Right. And then after that, either way, it's never leaving. It's never going to weigh down my bag again is what I'm saying. And gotcha. I think I'm done with sketchbooks forever. If I'm going to For- do anything, I'm going to take artboard to shows forever, forever, <laughs> forever, forever. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm an old man and I'm, can't say it anymore.
0: No, this was just Todd's New York Comic-Con retirement for the, for the the sketchbook. Other conventions, Amarillo, Japan, all the different ones. They'll have different sketchbooks that he'll retire at those ones as well.
1: Right, and I'll wear different shirts that, uh, <laughs> during those retirements, and I'll cut them up. I'll wear like five shirts at the same time. I'll be like, do you want a piece of Todd's shirt from the last con that he ever went to? It'll
0: be great. Uh, so thanks to everyone who uh, got some sketches, shared some sketches with us, or otherwise. It's really cool seeing what everyone's getting done out there. Uh, one more time while you're at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out our T Public Store. The 35% off sale is going on as we speak. Get designs inspired by this show, uh, Longbox Heroes After Dark. Uh, Add odds with Wrestling, Final Wrestling Place, Hit My Music on everything and anything from cell phone covers to notebooks. Uh, you can head over to our store and get shirts and pins and stickers with our fancy logo on them direct from me. Go sign up for our Patreon. As little as a dollar a month is going to get you two bonus shows. One, Piero Bounties, talking about the films of independent filmmaker Mark Pirro. The other, Previewing the Past, where we look at 30 years ago, this month's previews catalog, uh, I think no October 1992 is going to be dropping if it already hasn't brought for the $5 folks. Like I said, the dollar folks and up to 5 that's not at 5 we will be getting it next week. You also get at any level of those expert, high-quality, perfectly done scans of those preview catalogs. Uh, and also at the $5 level, you're going to get After Dark two days before everyone else so that you get uh, the shows in the correct listening order. You'd also help us out by making any and all of your purchases through our Amazon affiliate link. It's the banner at the top of the page over at LongBoxHeroes.com. And it's also in the show notes to every single one of these episodes, no matter where it is that you're getting the episodes. Uh, They, Amazon, call it an advertising fee. I call it the thing that makes Todd happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the money. Yeah. Now, uh, as we record... Uh, going into Wednesday, there's, like, a Prime Advance Day. If you're a Prime member, there's a whole bunch of extra stuff that you're getting uh, a look at. Like, their preview for, like, whatever Prime Day is going to be. Anyway, definitely check some stuff out there. Uh, some of the notable purchases through the Amazon Click-Through this week include, uh, somebody rented the horror film. It is Halloween time, after all. Happy Death Day to you! You have to go up on the to you, uh... Somebody also purchased a book, a physical book from Amazon. The Game is Afoot, The Enduring World of Sherlock Holmes.
1: Oh, I thought that was about soccer. The Game is Afoot.
0: No, The Game is a football.
1: Ah, okay.
0: Uh, And somebody also purchased a Torchstar LED Safe Lighting Kit 6, 12-inch linkable light bars, plus rocker switch, plus UL power adapter, uh, 900 LM input 100 to 240 volts for under-cabinet gun-safe locker closet showcase, 5,000 K daylight. That's bright, Joe. That's the full description of this item. Mm,
1: I'm not Adam. You don't have to do the. Whole thing.
0: And Sometimes when it's something goofy like that, I like to do it.
1: Not a problem. And we also had some comic purchases too, Joe. People connecting their comics amazon um slapstick infinite comic one through six so you got the whole run there minor threats number two spider-man number one ant-man number four it feels like ant-man three just came out and finally monkey prince number seven
0: thank you to anyone and everyone who made any and all of your purchases uh, through the amazon click through this week like i said it's all greatly appreciated And, of course, we have a ton of TV stuff to talk about. Boy, howdy, did it come back with a vengeance here. Yes. Let us start with what is the oldest, uh, which would be She-Hulk Episode 8. I guess this is the penultimate episode of She-Hulk? Yes, because she ends up saying like,
1: as it kind of gets towards the end, she's like, oh, that all wrapped up very, it's like the, the Apu thing. It's like, (laughs) oh, that's all, you know, wrapped up nicely and early too. And then it's like, oh, we have this. And she's like, oh, is it already the end of the season and the finales next week? And I was like, okay, I like that little bit. So definitely the, the penultimate.
0: Right, so it's kind of like two stories, you know, you get your bit that sets up next week's season finale. But the main part of this is uh, She-Hulk is defending um, what's this, a leapfrog who bought a suit from Luke Jacobson and claims it was a defective suit and attempts to sue Luke Jacobson. Mm-hmm. So then that puts Jen on the outs with Luke Jacobson. They go to trial... Luke Jacobson has defending him. Matt Murdoch, finally shows up in the show. About time. About time. And it turns out that um, the guy who is Leapfrog, whatever his name is, right?
1: Right. I don't know his shoot name.
0: Right. He was putting the wrong type of fuel in his rocket boots to leap. And that's what caused the defect. Um. Obviously, so Jen loses the case. She's on the outs with Luke Jacobson. She runs into Daredevil at the, uh, the the bar that all the lawyers go to. She's looking at the camera, telling us that there's something going on. There's definitely a spark between the two of them. And uh, obviously because he's West or she's West Coast, he's East Coast. You know, she don't know who he is, really. I don't know why he's on the West Coast. And then we get the reveal later when he's Daredevil. She's like, I don't know who Daredevil is, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, So he, Daredevil gets a call. Or Matt Murdock gets a call, he needs to go investigate what it is. Turns out um, that Leapfrog has kidnapped Luke Jacobson, the guy who makes all the clothes for the superheroes, to make him make more stuff for him as Leapfrog. Then we get to see Jen and Matt Murdock working together after they have their 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 dust up like you do in the comics. when You know, when the two heroes meet, they have a fight, then they talk, and then it's like, oh, if we just talked first, we wouldn't have fought, you know?
1: The old misunderstanding, Joe.
0: Exactly. So, uh, Daredevil goes to do things his way, and we get a classic Daredevil fights a bunch of guys in a hallway scene. Right. But Jen feels that's gonna take too long, so she just kinda crashes in and stops whatever's going on. Um, they get Leapfrog put away, uh, after he tries to escape and hurts himself. Jen is back into good graces with Luke Jacobson, uh, so he's gonna finish her gown for the big lawyer of the year award. Um, Jen and Daredevil hit it off. Hmm. And then we get a cute bit in the morning where Daredevil Daredevil's doing the walk of shame. Right. Uh leaving Jen's apartment, and then that's where we get to the big lawyer of the year award, where the Hulk people, uh, the people that have been targeting Jen from the beginning of the show unveil what their plan is and apparently it's to discredit jen which also includes maybe her and that dude from a couple episodes ago that i thought was good and todd knew was bad from the whole time uh showing them in the midst of uh you know what adults do in the bedroom together again this is the family friendly show um jen sees the guys at the back of the room she goes to attack them and then the uh damage control types have their guns all trained on her, and that's how the episode ends.
1: Right. Um, I'm. I, I. I really like this. I like Matt Murdock. Matt Murdock seems like more like he's being written by the creator of Daredevil, Mark Wade. Sure. Than the Netflix Daredevil. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm hoping this is going to be a lot. Like the Daredevil show is going to be a lot of the Mark Wade run. Um, In the angsty, like, like, I mean, and what, it was good for Netflix, but that was a dark, dark show. So uh, I liked it uh, that way. I liked the hallway scene that we thought we were going to get more of the Netflix classic hallways, hallway scene that they overdid in all the Netflix shows. But then, like you said, She-Hulk just like bashes it and it's done. The only thing is it was a little jarring to have Daredevil so nonchalant like because of what i'm used to in the netflix show i don't know it was it was fun but it was very confusing because i i'm still in netflix
0: but uh, yeah. a fun show go ahead so this works to my sensibilities of the comics for both these characters mm-hmm. uh i i get where you're going of course you know what we know of jen is what we have here Then of course we as comic book readers know how the john byrne run of that book has been Whereas Daredevil is such a character that lends itself to, you know, if you have that knowledge of the character from the comic books, how you said that, oh, it's the more lighter Mark Wade penned issues. Well, there's been multiple runs of Daredevil that have been kind of like light and fun and more swashbuckly than your dark and your grim and gritty. Mm -hmm. Daredevil's a perfect character that can walk that line between those two sort of things, but when it's the Daredevil that we know from the Netflix show who has only been grim and gritty to see him show that side of himself and I think that's what a lot of people don't like about She-Hulk because it is a show that kind of throws itself against what we've seen in a lot of the shows. If you don't read the comic books, you're only aware of the Marvel Cinematic Universe stuff, the TV shows or whatever it is. Now, granted I don't think we're going to see uh punisher show up anywhere and having like jokes and being fun or whatever it is punisher's the punisher but a character like daredevil you could play a little bit with a character like she hulk you could play a little bit with and i'm glad they're getting a chance to do it on a show like she hulk
1: yes and i will say this joe that uh, down the line that uh, t- uh the thing that josh uh, the bad guy that i was right about records if you know what i mean because we're a family show right that w- in the future of the marvel universe that will definitely not be a throwaway uh just from a storyline that i i read years ago there's something that like she hulk does something naughty like that and it has it has repercussions in a good way like years later in a storyline and i'm like okay i could see where this is going it's a classic issue that i remember but uh i'm just calling my shot now that's all
0: That one's going to take a while to pay off, though, I think, right? Right. They have to bring in
1: certain mystical characters to have it happen.
0: Gotcha. Uh, So, yeah, you know, I've been enjoying She-Hulk. You know, like I said, I'm going to get an IMDB Pro account so I can, uh, you know, get that number up a little bit because I really have been enjoying it, you know? Yep. Uh, Where would you like to go next?
1: Um, Let's get Stargirl out of it because I thought... And I'll get it out of the way here. I think of the three that we have left, um, Stargirl is the weakest. Okay. Um, because basically, uh, you know, it's uh, they've, since they've decided to keep the staff, you know, separate, uh, Courtney is going to help Cameron with his, his powers because, you know, she knows about them. And to me, that's the most boring part of this storyline so she's off doing that not acting like star girl which uh uh pat ends up uh realizing um and he's going off and doing that while you know Star, uh joe McHale, and our man and wildcat he's like okay well we're gonna go hunt down different things maybe whoever's doing this is in the uh, tunnels under the city, they go down and find, uh, the, you know, the, the headquarters and, uh, what's her name? Cindy has already left. She's, she bolted because she has the, the laptop and she hears them coming. And then Joel McHale ends up losing it once again, like he did in the supermarket. And, uh, because he sees the, uh, Painting of the ISA, and then we see Joel McHale do a completely unconvincing angry man scene. Um, I was not, I I was like, Ooh, Joel, you've been doing good. This is bad. I do not feel it in this scene. Um, and Cindy is living over things in her head, and she remembers being at the park. And we see how she got the laptop, the the trailer park, and maybe she did kill uh, the gambler. So she's having those visions. Um, I'm trying to think uh, what else goes on. Uh,
0: so we have the bit with Mike and Jakeem. Yes. Uh, being told that they need to be more assertive. Uh, I really like the bit where Joel McHale and again, you know, Sylvester Pemberton stars. but it's Joel McHale. Joel McHale and Mike have that heart-to-heart before breakfast, Mm -hmm. where, like, Mike hasn't been able to find his place in the group. Him and Jakeem have always been off kind of doing their own thing, and Joel McHale is like, well, listen, that's kind of how I started off, and the way that I got noticed was I just kept doing things my own way, and eventually they accepted me into the group. So, like, you keep doing what you're doing, and eventually it'll all work out, you know?
1: Right, and Sylvester's off hunting around. He's like, I do know Dragon King has a bunch of labs, so let me go. And he ends up talking with the new uh, Dr. Midnight, and she ends up helping him get in. Um, But in that, she ends up cheating on a math test, which I thought was funny. But she also talks to him about her parents want to be involved, and they go down the list of, like, well, uh, the families that have gotten involved in the past have died. And he ends up telling her, like, well, you might want to keep your – Family away from this, and she has that discussion and there and basically, as i 'm going on it sparks my mind there 's so many subplots there 's no a plot they 're all B plots, yeah that they trip all over each other it 's not a very well structured show because then on top of that cindy 's trying to protect Courtney with Cameron by you know wiring him up so she could see if he has powers, and she finds out tells Courtney Courtney already knew. And then she also ends up helping Jakeem and Mike. And Mike maybe kind of falls in love with her. And I'm like, this episode is too way all over the place. It's too much at once. Nobody gets to star. Everybody gets to sidekick.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. You know, there have been episodes where it's like, oh, well, we didn't get anything with Mike and Jakeem this episode. Or we didn't get anything with our man this episode. And you didn't get into the thing where like, our man's timepiece thing is broken. And there's, like, a regulator and an and inhibitor on it or something like that that, like, he fixes and, like, maybe it no longer gives him the power for an, only an hour. Maybe it gives him the power all the time now, you know? And that can't be good. Maybe there's a reason there's an inhibitor in there. <laughs> right. So, again, this was the most busy episode of everything. Oh, and you know what? I did not like... After all these weeks of uh, Cindy trying to get into the gambler's uh, laptop. Right. And we're like, oh, she's going to figure out the password seven or seven, seven, seven or something like that. Right? right. To be in line with the gambler's character. And then all of a sudden, here we are like, what, five, six episodes in five episodes in. She just goes, oh. What am I doing? I have this thing in my book bag. I can just hook up to it. It'll figure out the password myself. And I'm like, ah, oh, we were robbed of that moment. Yes, because she's like,
1: oh, the gambler was tech savvy. I'll use his own tech. I'll use his safe cracker, code cracker. And I'm like, oh, I just wanted to see, you know, old 777.
0: You know? I mean, yeah. Really
1: sad. I'm still mad we're not going to see a lot of the gambler anymore.
0: Yeah, more flashbacks. Maybe uh, Dragon King will bring him back to life or something, and then he'll be, like, all evil and zombified, you know? Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I-, I guess let's talk about Andor.
1: Uh, sure, sure, we could do that.
0: All right. Uh, so this was uh, episode four of Andor, right? Um, And this is one of those things where, you know, you get your main Andor stuff, the Rebellion people, We're getting a little bit of mistrust between all of them. Um, We get the bit, and again, I forget the guy's name as I have the notes here in front of me because, again, I hate to say this, but most of the rebellion people that aren't the ladies are just, like, white guys with the same haircut. Right, who are all useless. I wouldn't say they're useless. There's the one guy who's, like, clean and stuff. Mm -hmm. and he definitely has, like, imperial tattoos and stuff that Andor recognizes. So at some point, I think that maybe they're going to have some sort of connection, but, like, later on, they have this whole to-do, because he notices that Andor has that, like, little crystal thing, the Sky Kyber thing, as they call it, which is worth, like, all this money, and then that's when it's revealed that Andor is only here because he's like a mercenary he's a gun for hire to help them out we still don't know why we you know like all these like sides playing against each other um you know we do get the bit about lieutenant gorn who is currently an active imperial person who is helping the rebellion right i liked his stuff and as we get into it I like the stuff with Cyril more. I want a Cyril ongoing. I love the bit with the overbearing mother. Uh, I like the bit where it's like, oh, we're going to find out what Uncle Harlow, who seems like maybe he might be our fourth sensitive character, right?
1: Maybe, yeah.
0: Right. So we we don't see him, but we get to hear that he's looking into stuff to figure out what Cyril's plan is going to be next. And I would probably say... Uh, Maybe in one of the bigger moments in all of Star Wars, um, we're introduced to not one, but two different types of milk. Of course, Cyril is eating his food with the famous blue milk, which is the only milk that anyone in Star Wars ever drinks. But then the Rebellion have Dre milk, which is the bad, no good milk. But it's all we got because we're living off the land and under the radar of the of the Empire.
1: Right. I will say this. I'm going to talk a bit about the group. Um, the one that guy has the tattoos, I don't think they were Empire tattoos. I think they were just the tattoos of the battles he was at. Okay. And and Andor realizes it because he discusses earlier or whenever, if it's this episode or the past couple, that he was at the battle of whatever and he wasted his time. That That's how Lucian kind of brings him in. He's like, you were at that battle. And they just pitted you against the other rebels and they they wound you all up so he kind of understands him and i like his story but i'm going to talk about that uh lucian he's he's testing andor in all of this as i'm watching it this is what i get what i like about it is andor's learning a bit from everybody else and everybody's learning from andor like he's like okay um they show up and they're like okay we went through your stuff andor or Clem, as they call it. And he's like, you have a the, the fake police blaster the, it, that's issued. You have very little and you have a wounded arm. So it means you were running wherever you went. It's showing them how to read a person like a spy should. And then Andor ends up, you know, earning his place by going, like, Yeah, I may, you know, you may not know who I am, but I'm here. But as we test this, you guys should be on the opposite sides. Because you're righty and you're lefty, and they're like, "Why should we listen to you? You're new." And the com- the lead woman goes, "Let's listen to why." He's like, "You want your guns on the outside," and so they're sh- they're aiming out. You don't want them pointing at each other. She's like, "Switch spaces." Even though he's new, that's a pretty good point. So everybody's learning, and then they find the sky cr- uh, Kyber or whatever, which 100% Lucian put there because it makes no sense why he gave it to him. He said, when they, when they were together a couple episodes ago and he, gave, he sent him on this mission, he goes, I'm going to pay you to do this mission because you have no other options. You're with me. You have no money, no ship, nowhere to go. You work for me and I'll pay you. Okay, I'm going to do it. He agrees without anything and he throws him the crystal. and He goes, this is worth hundreds of thousands of credits. This is my collateral because I'm a man of my word. If he was already doing it, he doesn't need that thing. He knew all those people would find that crystal and they would ask questions. And it's a test to see how Andor works under pressure. Lucian, at every point in this, is pulling strings constantly. And in my mind, I'm dream booking this. And that's what I love, love, love about this episode, is that kind of stuff and all the side characters doing what they do, and their little backstories and why they hate the Empire. Um, I really, really, really like Andor.
0: I like it too. Uh, obviously, you are getting much more out of it than I am. I'm just frustrated that these characters aren't getting along, and I'm frustrated that I'm not getting more of the Empire pe- people, because I really like Cyril. Um, and then, what's-her-face? The uh, the one who finally decides uh, G- Grandy, or whatever her name is who who know who has the information about the rebellion but it's like the empire is like nope your reports aren't turned in so we don't care that you have like information that eventually is going to save us and we as watchers of star wars know that this information is would save the empire i'm not saying i'm part of the empire or uh, or or relate to them in any way shape or form i just feel as though in this particular show those characters are the more compelling ones
1: Right, you're not a sympathizer, you're an Empire understander.
0: Yeah, yeah, Uh, the Empire, Rob, Broski, all of these people.
1: They all have the same qualities, so... They they absolutely do. So, yeah.
0: So, I'll let you take Werewolf by Night?
1: Yes, Werewolf by Night, which is the one-shot special, which I do like that... uh, What is it that Marvel is going to be doing as specials now? Um, So basically, Ulysses Bloodstone, the man who, you know, was the keeper of the Bloodstone. It's a stone, Joe, but we find out there's only one. So there's not six of them that are going to go and got with anything because they made sure to say there's not multiple stones this time, which I found funny. Um, So he dies and various people show up to... uh, who are invited for this funeral/slash thing that's happening. And we find out that it's all these monster hunters that show up to honor him and the the people who they're gonna hunt down a monster. And if you catch them, you get the bloodstone, and you're the next keeper. And there's uh you know a couple of characters that I'm not really one hundred percent sure of who they are, the Marvel Universe, but Elsa shows up, who's Ulysses' daughter. And she ends up uh, coming in the, the widow is there, her mother and says, uh, you left. you didn't train, you know, you lost your right to, to the, to getting the stone just when he dies. Now you have to earn it like everybody else. And this one guy who shows up, he's got like painting on his face and I'm going to say they never mention it. I don't think, but I'm going to say his name is Jack, <laughs> AKA Jack Russell. Um <laughs> And he goes in, and they're like, he's one of the killers. And they say, okay, go out and find him. When they use a Crypt Keeper-like uh, mannequin of the body or like an animatronic thing, which I loved, um, he tells them to go do it. And then he he hopes they all make it because he'll be rotting for them. I thought that was hysterical.
0: Of um, course. So they go
1: out one at a time to hunt down the stone connected to this monster. Uh, one of them finds it and it's who is it Joe? It's the man thing or Ted if you're, you're on a first name basis <laughs> with them, because his name in the comic is Ted Salas um, so uh, they find him and you end up finding that this guy is hiding this Jack guy is hiding he's actually Ted's friend and he's there to save him and him and Elsa end up teaming up through a series of events he's, to help get the monster it's like I'll get the monster you get the stone. Uh, it'll all be great. Uh, we'll work together. He has a bomb to blow the wall so he, they can get away. Um, bunch of like arms being chopped off, horror stuff, all really cool. Um, in the end, uh, Man-Thing gets away um, and people burn at the touch of Man-Thing like they do in the comic, which is cool.
0: If you um, know fear, you'd you burn at the fear. touch of this. Yes.
1: Yes. So Jack ends up you know, thing, and he tries to grab the bloodstone to give it to Elsa, and it knocks him out. And they end up, the survivors end up taking him back to the room that they were in, locking Elsa and Jack up. And the, they're like, You're a monster. You're going to kill her. And we end up finding out that he's a werewolf, and he uses these techniques to control stuff. He's like, I got to smell you, smell you later. And he ends up realizing he's like, I'm going to, so that I can protect you. Or I could. You, I won't hurt you. They come in to watch it, and uh, he gets away. Ends up, you know, massacring a bunch of them till the till all that's left is the widow and the butler, I guess. And he gets away, and uh, Elsa gets the bloodstone. I know I'm glancing over a lot of stuff. I thought this was really fun, like the way it was shot, like an old horror movie with the little burn marks for changing the reels in the movies. Um to, ma- to to man things look, the only thing is I get it, and people have been saying they grooted man thing up like they made him a you know a, an understanding character before he was a force of nature. I like the force of nature man thing, but I could see why they want to make the personal this will sell man thing merchandise man thing um other than that, I really enjoyed the uh thing I thought the design of the werewolf by night was a little hokey. But uh, all in all, I thought it was fun all around. The look, the thing, them going to color at the end, like uh, Wizard of Oz with Somewhere Over the Rainbow playing. Um, I loved everything about this this little hour movie.
0: Right. Luckily, i just seen the Wizard of Oz for the first time the other day, so I got that reference. Oh, cool. Um, but this was fine. It was light. It was fun. Uh, for something as, like, you know, technically gruesome and horrifying this definitely felt like a test to see what Marvel or what Disney through Marvel can get away with these characters yep. in a TV show or a movie, you know? Yeah. Um, Cause you're, you're getting people ripped to shreds. You're getting arms cut off. You're getting heads ripped off. You're getting all this sort of stuff, but obviously because it's shot in black and white, you're getting away with a lot of the blood and the, you know, it's Disney. They could essentially do whatever they want. Right. Right. Uh, but when it comes to stuff like this, the MPAA, if you're going to start releasing stuff like this in the theaters, if your blood is red, then they have a problem. If your blood is a different color, they don't care as much.
1: It's almost like the comics code, too.
0: Right. So there's no real way to figure out, like, which way the MPA is going to swing. This definitely felt like, as I mentioned, a test. It's a way to introduce some of these characters into the greater Marvel universe. And obviously, I didn't get a chance to see this immediately when it came out. I had a very busy weekend this week. Not as busy as Todd's. But um, obviously, everyone was talking about Man-Thing being in this. So I'm like, okay, Man-Thing's in this. That's cool. I don't feel, as other people did, that they gruded him up. Again, I don't think a lot of people watching this are huge Man-Thing fans so they could essentially do whatever they want with Man-Thing. And I say, if you are you are a Man-Thing fan, be happy that now a ton more people know that Man-Thing exists, because that means they're going to make a ton more Man-Thing stuff for you.
1: Yep, and be sad that you have to pay for it now.
0: Right, listen, they're, they're robbing you of money. This could have died a horrible death. Everybody could have hated this. And I, it seems as though the response to this is like, you know, I would say uh, positive, right? Yeah, I have questions for you. But
1: um, first of all, do you remember the man thing made for TV movie? Was it on sci-fi maybe? Yes, and it was absolutely fantastic if you if fantastic is bad.
0: I was going to say that sounds like a lie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I remember huh, – how close was that to the Swamp Thing TV show that was on the USA Network?
1: Oh, yeah, years and years later. Okay. I'm trying to think.
0: I will say um, that maybe based on some of the techniques that we saw in Werewolf by Night. Um, And, uh, you know, they don't say, Jack doesn't say his name till he and Elsa are in the cell together. Right. And he introduces himself as Jack. They don't say a lot of characters' names in this other than Elsa, Jack, and Ted. We don't get a lot of other folks' names, as I mentioned. Um, It just is what it is. Um, I think a lot of these characters might be, like, brand-new folks or, like, one-offs from Marvel books, you know? Right. They didn't jump out at me, so I did not research them. Yeah, like, the designs didn't do anything. Like, I think if I look at the IMDb, like, the goth, like, real pale-looking woman, her name is Azriel, which is, you know, that means the character is never going to get over with anyone. Right. Um. But um, maybe based on what I saw here that they would have gotten so much flack if they shot She-Hulk in black and white. Okay. Because the special effects on Man-Thing looked really cool in black and white. But then in the scene in the, at the end in color, I'm like, oh, okay, I see the... I could see the seams on it, if you will, you oh, know?
1: Oh, the cracks under the thing. Okay, the Man-Thing original movie was 2005.
0: Oh, yeah, that's way after the Swamp Thing show. Sure, sure. Right,
1: and in case you're interested, it is free on Tubi.
0: Of course it is. Everything's on Tubi.
1: Right? So you have that. And now, because you like kind of lesser than me on it, is it because, like, do you think it's because you're an actual horror fan and this is, like, horror light? Yes. Okay, because I'm not a horror fan and this is, I like it because this is horror light.
0: Yeah, you know, like, I I, I don't, I didn't think we were going to get, like, full-on horror blood and guts and everything else from a Marvel property, you know?
1: Right,
0: right. I would have liked it. (laughs) But, uh, you know, it was just, it was fine. It was light and fun. It's setting up some new characters.
1: It's Werewolf by Night, aka, done the way of pieces. That's what you want to see.
0: Right. I want to see, you know, the entrails. I want to see people losing control of their bodily functions. I want to see all the things that made a piece is the movie I love so much, you know, right. and but even there's movies where like less is more, you know, like I'm not expecting like you can't take these ideas and these concepts or whatever and apply, let's say the Texas chainsaw, 1974, um, um, uh, idea to it. It is what it is. You know, these characters, while you're introducing them, eventually, at some point, need to interact with, like, Spider-Man. Yeah. You know, so you can't go so over the top with them that, like, when they're standing next to Spider-Man, you got a lot of questions to answer for your kids.
1: Yeah, it's like, who's that? Oh, that's the guy who mauls people and and guts them, honey.
0: Yeah. Oh, I really liked. I really liked Ted when he crossed over in Spider-Man 17. Was Ted in anything else? Oh, what's this series on Disney Plus starring Ted? Right. Uh, so, yeah, I just, I, they never
1: called the Man-Thing. That made me sad, so. But we all know. Yeah, but, the you know, you want to say Man-Thing. So people could be like, hey, look at my, my giant-sized Man-Thing.
0: Oh, the issue, the one that everyone gets graded for one of his early appearances, right?
1: Yes, yes. Right. But I enjoyed it, so that's all I got.
0: Exactly. So it was a fun week of TV. Let's hope that um, She-Hulk sticks the landing, Stargirl straightens up and flies right, and uh, let's hope we get more of uh, Uncle Harlow on Andor. Right. That's my wish list for next week's TV. Good wish list. All right, everyone, thank you for bearing with us. Thanks for hanging in there. Thanks for listening. Uh, This was episode 627 of Longbox Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet not a dream.